Hey guys, this is Oscar here. We're gonna be talking about uh, my favorite subject, racism. Nah, I'm messing. You had to turn the voice on for that. No, 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 no. But uh, we're just gonna be chilling here with the homies. Uh, got two of my great friends here uh, of the lighter persuasion, and <laughs> it's okay to laugh in the mic, bro. <laughs> Thirty no, no. seconds haven't put out. <laughs> nah, but we go. Speaks for itself. <laughs> I'm dead. <laughs> we should have done it as like uh, you just introduce yourself, like all right, say everything but you're white, and just have them try to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> Who am I? <laughs> well, my name's Chad. Nah, but <laughs> nah, but uh, guys, go ahead and introduce yourselves. Uh, tell them where you're from and uh, <laughs> how old you are. All the all the goodies or whatever. I mean, all right. My name is Timothy. I am white. <laughs> That's important here. Hi, Timothy. <laughs> 25. I'm from Durham. I mean, I mean what else do we need to know? That's hey, hey we're going to unravel it later. <laughs> all right. Uh, my name is Jonathan. I am 24 years old, also from the great city of Durham, North Carolina. Hey, yo. A.K.A. State. Oh. Uh, so uh. That's the whole that's Durham. <laughs> Durham is Bull City, though. I know. That's what I said. I said North Carolina, a.k.a. The okay, okay, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. I'm not saying Durham. I thought, I just thought we got confused. Uh, I mean, we know. We got Tarboro, Kinston. I mean, come on. We can go on. Kinston got Hoovers. <laughs> <laughs> Too many Hoovers. Nah, but. uh, Kinston tough. Well, I don't really know how to start this out because we have these all these uncomfortable conversations or whatever. But um, I do seem to remember a couple months ago uh, where the world was wilding. And uh, humans were being humans, and uh, racism was on the forefront. But the issue is that we act like racism flares up, and then it goes away after the flare up when it extends. And so, mm. I think it's fair to extend this conversation as well. So, um, we're gonna be talking about how to be an ally and all the things that go into it. Um, but first question I have for you guys is. Um, what was your exposure to race growing up? Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I'll go first. Okay, okay go ahead. <laughs> I mean, my exposure to race, I did not have much exposure to race in uh, my church because I went to a small Baptist church. We had a couple of families of color, but not much. Um, my exposure to race was probably in, uh, in elementary school. I had mm. some kids. There was, there was probably a couple of kids, but really what happened was in middle school, um, another school in the area closed down, mm. and we ended up taking on a bunch of their students, and that shifted the uh, minority majority population of our school quite a bit. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so that was that was probably my big experience. Also, like when mm. I'm in elementary school, you know, like I don't, I'm not thinking about you know, black and white and yeah. Asian and all, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, I mean, like, when I was in probably middle school, that was probably the first time it was really, like, I was aware of it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sure. Um, I guess as a kid, <clears throat> I mean, I'm trying to think, man. I mean, so, like, obviously, I grew up basically at the Burgesses as mm-hmm. well as my house, which, so, like, I was always around, and the, the ministries were doing with my parents. I was just always around everybody. So, like... I know people say, like, the cliche, like, I don't see race or color. Like, as a kid, though, like Jonathan kind of said, like, I didn't. Like, mm. there was just my friend Lloyd. There was my friend Jonathan. There was my friend whoever. And they may, one may be black, one may be white. doesn't really matter to me. Mm. But I think, I think the first time I came aware of it was in middle school, hanging out with 
my, actually Lloyd. Mm. So I don't remember something happened. I don't really remember what went down. But there was a really tough conversation we had with Mr. Burgess at the house, and it was all about black and white perception of people. That was the first time being like, oh dang, people see my friend as a threat to them, mm-hmm. and that's just like that's just my boy. Like, what are you talking about? So I think that was the first time like I was aware that there was a problem here. Like there wasn't just in like in my head, you know, they teach history class like in school, like slavery ended and whatever. Martin Luther King Jr. came and it, like they want you to believe that like the civil rights movement happened and boom the world's better now, a yeah. better place now they want you to think that growing up that's just not reality mm-hmm. so I think I think probably about the same time probably like 12, 13 was when I first realized that this is still an issue this is a problem and it's not gone away at all no matter yeah. what your third grade history teacher wants you to believe mm-hmm. I think for me um, I'm trying to remember the exact moment I remember I mean growing up like grandma and aunties having all those conversations like you start picking up stuff early and i paid attention like i talked a lot less than i did now back then <laughs> i didn't have a personality back then lucky <laughs> so i was just kind of sitting back and, and, and waiting and stuff i was just giggling in the background but um <laughs> no but i remember there was one time where um at school we're playing tag right and there was like a little tunnel where you crawl through or whatever and so we're playing tag and this uh the who was I playing with? I don't know. So uh, the school I went to was a magnet school okay. growing up. So we had like you know everybody going there. I was an AIG, so I had a, a good mix of people in my class or whatever because they always moved all the white kids up to AIG because they assumed they were smarter or whatever. We don't talk about that, but <laughs> that's a whole nother thing. But um, <laughs> it's wild. But um, so we were playing tag, and this this big bone white girl was crawling through the little tunnel. And I, I tagged her, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, first of all, I'm younger than everybody else in the class. I think I'm six and everybody else is like seven or whatever. Um, and so I'm not even like, there's no sense of sexuality that I can understand. But when I tagged her, because we're in a tunnel and you're crawling, it's like, I'm going to tag you where I can tag you. So I actually, I, I tag her and I think it was on her, I don't even think it was on her butt. I think it was on her thigh or something like that. And then she like crawls out the tunnel and she plays a... Uh, she plays victim and she goes up to the teacher who happens to be white as well at the magnet school and she's like hey oscar touched me on my butt which i was like i was like we're playing tag and you're calling a tunnel like where do you well she want me to touch you want me to prod the bottom of your shoe and be like i got you it's like no 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 no, no. i'm gonna tag and crawl away like so then i get sit down for the rest of recess and i'm just sitting here like oh my gosh this is that stuff they were talking about i'm Oh, we're some mobile. That's what Auntie was like, talking about right here. <laughs> oh my goodness. I mean, but stuff like that is like, I mean, we could joke about it now, but like that's probably what Emmett Till's doing. Emmett Till's probably, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, playing tag or something like that or something minor. He probably wasn't even looking at her because she probably didn't look that good. But it was just like I don't know. <laughs> but um, no, I think like. <laughs> One thing I've noticed is that your your exposure to race heavily, like when you get exposed to race, heavily influences when you start seeing things and the um, really your response mm-hmm. to things. So like the earlier you get exposed to and the earlier you start realizing stuff, more than likely you're going to be more introspective with this kind of thing because you're going to be less set in your ways. You know what I'm saying? Um, but I mean, I think... I think we, like, growing up in Durham, we grew up privileged in that respect. Would you say so? 
Yeah, no, I think growing up in Durham, which is like, what, 35% African-American right now or something like that? It might be, I don't know. I think it might be, whatever. It's a, <clears throat> yeah, it's a like very that. large amount. It's a historically black city. Mm-hmm. So there's just, whatever. There's always multiple kids of either African-American or any other race in my class at all times. So it was mm-hmm. always, it's not like we grew up in like Iowa or somewhere where, you know, you see like two black kids before you turn 14. Yeah. Like it was always a part of our lives, different races, different interactions with different cultures. Mm-hmm. Not from <laughs> Yeah, I, I agree. I think that uh, <coughs> Durham in itself is like a very diverse city, yeah. especially like when we were growing up. And so I think that played a huge part in, I mean, especially when I, like when I went to college and went to Liberty, bad place. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, actually I like Liberty, but uh, it's President to be wild. The first lie I told on uh, the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it was I, we'll say it was I, it was I. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, we, I, I meet people there and obviously Liberty is predominantly white. Um, and I mean, people there that, you know, have like never seen black people before. And I'm like, I know awesome. it was crazy. <laughs> you are. Like you are, you can buy a drink and you ain't seen a black person except on TV. Yeah, that's like that. Honestly, like that blew my mind. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that in Durham is especially, you know, helped in that regard as far as exposure and that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, to answer your question, Durham is 39% black, 48% white, 5% Asian, 3% other. I actually don't believe the five percent Asian. Maybe it's because they all moved to Mooresville or something. But yeah, it feels way higher than that, bro. Yeah. Well, okay. Here's like Durham is like everybody intermingles. So like people, you're gonna see people who live in Raleigh in Durham. You know what I'm saying? Because there's there's nothing doing Raleigh. Same thing with Chapel Hill. You're gonna see people from Chapel Hill in Durham because there's also nothing doing Chapel Hill. So (laughs) so Durham just seems more diverse because everybody kind of goes there to to hit some hot spots and then bounce later. You know what I'm saying? But it's I don't know it's interesting. But um, yeah. <laughs> but um, <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. But um, I mean one thing that uh, I guess one thing I want to touch on as well is like the the religious component. Like, do you feel like you guys have had a lot of exposure to um, black the black church experience or like the Latino church experience growing up as well? Uh, growing up, not really. Okay. Um, I, I mean, I went to like World Overcomers a handful of times, you know, know, like stuff like that, but not really. It wasn't until I got to college that I got more involved in specifically black church. I don't Mm -hmm. think I've been to a majority Latino church Mm -hmm. ever. Yeah. I don't think I have either. Nothing. Um, but actually, that's not well. That doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> it wasn't until I got into college. I actually, was hired as the worship pastor mm. of a majority black church, which was very interesting oh. to me as a white dude who is only you know grew up in like a Baptist church. It's like a very different expectation of worship. That's how you. That's how you know you're nice with music when they hire when you're yeah. the white guy hired. That's, that is yeah. a huge compliment. Bro. <laughs> no, real yeah. talk though. So it was, it was yeah, I mean that's that was my only. But until when I was a kid, I mean no, that was it was all yeah. like Baptist. I mean I didn't. I mean it wasn't until I got to college that like I sang out of a, outside of a hymn book. Mm. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> that. Was, I mean in youth group like we touch them stuff, but like the new song. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. that really wasn't that wasn't a thing in my in my small Baptist church. Dang, where where Aunt Betty would would raise hell if y'all sang oceans or something. <laughs> hell yeah, song. <laughs> Shout yes. to the Lord. No, come on. Oh, <laughs> uh, we. How about you, Tim? Uh, I've never been to a predominantly Latino church I can think of, but I oh. have been to, I have been to church multiple times where I was the one white person there. Mm. 
Which, how was that? I want to go into that. How was that feeling? I mean, the first time I did, I was like eight. Okay. And that was really odd because mm. I remember there was two little girls sitting in front of me who were about the same age, and they just turned and stared at me the entire service, <laughs> like never broke eye contact. And I was like, "This is terrible. How do people? <laughs> why would I ever want to come back here?" <laughs> Which I did come back multiple times, and they stopped staring at me eventually. But oh, I'm dead. <laughs> it was. I mean, so I went to like predominantly white churches growing up, but they were like Pentecostal churches. So like, mm-hmm. it wasn't a huge leap for me. Yeah. Like culture like, difference of yeah. worship and all that. Right. Like <clears throat> I'm sure like someone like a Jonathan Baptist, LOL. Like it's, a, it's, a, it's almost like a culture shock, you know, to see people like really get into worship, really get into the service. And for me, that was just, that was what I was accustomed to. So it wasn't a huge, like I said, a huge leap for me. Yeah. But it was, I mean, it was, it was great. I still love going to all black churches except for the fact that I get stared at every time. Oh yeah. <laughs> Those, those six months of being the worship pastor were lit. You know? <laughs> hey, and they give bro. you like the weirdest compliments afterwards. Like, man, you really know how to worship. Like, bro, I'm just doing the exact same thing every other person here is doing. I'm just of the latter persuasion. Like, every time, bro. You're, you're different from most people. Exactly. <laughs> I'd be like, yes. no. That's so funny. Yeah, I'm talking to like 30 people after the first Sunday that I led worship. They were like, you know what? You were actually good. And they'd be like, you got a little bit of soul to you. Like, <laughs> like, what does that mean? Yo, soul might be like a reverse racial slur. Like, <laughs> you got soul. It's like, oh my God. <laughs> I'll accept that. That's funny. <laughs> nah, but I think like, <laughs> I mean, I didn't start going to uh, white churches until, well, until college. Until <laughs> church I go to now is just like, that was the first one. And I don't think. I think it was just different, huh? Oh, well, I mean, I don't know how, but I mean, I'll throw it out there. I go to Summit. It's whatever. People know, like, you do, you do a little research, and you're going to see me next to the little Summit logo on the little brochure or whatever. <laughs> it's not a secret. But, um, no, I mean, I think that I don't even remember the first time I, I walked in, like, what the church was like. I remember immediately meeting black people the first time I walked in. And like they made sure that I sat with the other black people in there, oh, but like that's the big play right there. <laughs> no, like truly, truly it is. Because if you don't and you're sitting there, like most of the congregation is not gonna immediately say hi to you. You know what I'm saying? Like they're yeah. not gonna welcome you. You're gonna get the the greeters. Hi, how are you doing? The pamphlet. You're gonna sit there and you're gonna listen to the preacher preach, and then you're gonna kind of sit around for like two minutes and see if someone talks to you, say hi to one person, and then bounce after. You know, if you don't know anybody or like meet anybody else, you're um of your complexion really in your culture but um i don't know i just find it like really interesting uh how the diet the dynamic and the really the duality of realities um that's happening between white church and, and black churches right now with the uh, the rioting and the uh rioting and protesting i mean i don't want to totally blame it on the news but it might just be that <laughs> just the amount of news exposure you know what i'm saying like yeah it's, <laughs> i mean some people man they just don't know anything that's going on you know yeah. people don't know that I, I don't know if it's louisville or portland but one of those cities have been protesting 82 days straight louisville yeah yeah louisville's made like for brianna taylor like 82 days straight that's and have there been riots? I'm I'm sure there have been, especially early on. But most of the protests have been peaceful, you right. know. 
And so, I, but like, would you guys say that people around you guys know that? Um, no, I think I was just talking about this actually with my parents and my grandparents the other day. And they're like, there have been like no peaceful protests. And I was like, what do you mean? We live in Durham. There have been like eight peaceful protests <laughs> in this city. Yeah. Like, right here. No, real you, talk. You just only believe what CNN or the local news or Fox News or whoever is telling you that every time there's a protest, a target gets burned down or whatever, something ridiculous. Yeah. But that's like 2% of the protests. Mm-hmm. People just, people don't want to educate themselves. Yeah. That's, I think that's the crux of this problem. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say probably I agree. Um, I know that a majority of the people that I know that go to my church that I work at, mm-hmm. they're mm-hmm. the same way where they're like, all they see is the looting, all they see is the violent part. Yeah. And like, they just will not, it's not that they, well, I, that's not true. It's not that they won't like accept the fact that there are such things as peaceful protests. Mm-hmm. They're just so caught up on the fact that some of them turn into riots that like, that's all that they see. You yeah. know what I mean? Like that's all they can connect they don't, they don't equate it with, like, something positive coming out of it. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah. I mean, I, in reality, like, if we're doing a little history lesson, the Civil Rights Movement didn't really start. Because, I mean, there were riots right after Martin Luther King was killed. Yeah. And then after the riots, that's when the law was changed. It wasn't after he got killed. It wasn't because people felt guilty or his uh, his his life work was complete. It was because there were so many riots that they had to do something. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, and, I mean... In a similar, but I think what people don't realize is, like, I had a bunch of friends who went protesting in Raleigh, and, like, a lot of the police officers were the one escalating. You know what I'm saying? Like, they were peacefully walking down the street, and then they were just getting hit, hit, hit by tear gas randomly. Right. Um, I don't know if Raleigh pulled out rubber bullets, but I'm sure that it, it probably, it happened somewhere, if not Raleigh. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, it's just, it's crazy. But how did you guys initially, like, feel, like, take take me through the the process of like processing everything and um what was that i want to say yeah april april to may when things were really popping off um well for me we had kind of had a conversation actually already about ahmed arbery because mm-hmm. my the like senior pastor of my church had like sent out this email mm-hmm. that i took personal offense not offense to but like i was like this is not okay um, we ended up having like a whole conversation um, about like with church leadership in general about you know how the wording of said email was not okay you know like the things that are, are happening um, it's because of things like that and so it's just it, it was one of those things where I remember the first time that I like was really introduced to where it would like really hit me was when everything was going on in downtown Raleigh mm. and I saw like I got, I kept getting like news notifications on my phone, and I was like, "What is happening? Like, what is going on?" And I would like pull up, and then there was like, you know, stuff burning, fifteen yeah. minutes away from me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's when I was like, "Oh, like this is everywhere. Like this is, you know, this is really happening." Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not, it's not like I didn't think it was happening. You know, I just like in again, when you, my only exposure to it is like news and or Twitter, mm-hmm. it's like hard to judge the scale of things, especially at the beginning. Yeah. Because at the beginning, like, the same two riots are being shown for, like, two or three weeks. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's not that there's peaceful protests in 150 cities. It's that there's been two riots in X and, you know, whatever, wherever and wherever. Mm-hmm. And that's just, like, all you see and that's all you hear about. So, I mean, that was that was kind of, like, my first impression of it. Um, I actually went to a couple protests. I went to one in downtown Apex. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, because I was, it's a long story. but. Yeah. I was there, and I mean, that was great. I mean, those, it was one of those things where I knew that it would not be covered or publicized. 
Yeah. Um, just because, like, I mean, it was boring. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like, not, not, I don't know. Hold on. That sounds really bad. It was boring for, like, a news company. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. No, no cameras were out there, like, oh, this is happening, you know, because it yeah. wasn't going to, that's not going to make them money. Yeah. But it's just, like, that kind of opened my eyes to, like, this is probably happening hundreds of other places. Oh, yeah. And it's just, like, that's not being talked about. It's not being heard. XYZ. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was probably. Yeah. What was, um, what did you feel like you were able to do during that time? Like, what did you feel like your responsibility or like, what did you feel convicted to kind of do during that time? Um, I don't know. I kind of felt limited in my impact, actual mm-hmm. impact. Um, I was of the mind where like I knew obviously that things needed to change, but that was not a new realization for me. Yeah. But, um, kind of, I, I have personally this like idea that like I have like a bubble of influence basically. Mm-hmm. And like, I can only influence people that are in like whatever my sphere of influence is. Yeah. So when like all that stuff started happening, really that was the big push for me to like make sure that I was influencing the people that I had the power to influence, okay. you know, for a positive way. Mm-hmm. Like for example, speaking to the church leadership about the email or, you know, stuff like that, yeah. where like I can actually make a difference there it feels a lot less achievable to me mm-hmm. when like stuff's happening, you know, in other cities or like people are expecting the government to do something or, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. that feels a lot less achievable just to me personally, because I know that I can't actually influence mm-hmm. that, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so that's like where it is. That That's kind of how I feel. That was kind of my thought process of like, okay, what can I do to like make a positive impact going forward? Yeah. You know, in like my sphere of influence, like, is there something that I can do? Mm-hmm. With my friends, my family, you know, my coworkers, X, Y, Z. Yeah. And what about you, Tim? What would like take me through uh, April to May? April May. Uh, yeah. So I think like the biggest thing for me when these, my first thought was like, here we go again, mm. cop that's being irresponsible, and being a just a bad human. Yep. Doing something that's going to spark a lot of debate. I mean, I always use these. Cause I don't know. I, don't know. I was probably in high school and I realized that a lot of people in my family would be called racist by most people. <laughs> and so I've always used these events, which unfortunately ha- seem to be happening more and more to mm-hmm. like really try to change their mindset and just spark debate with them. Like, Hey, like, do you think this is okay? Like, what do you think about this? And just trying to kind of what Jonathan's saying, like your sphere, of, your sphere of influence. I think that's really yeah. well said is that's kind of what I took to it as well. Like, I'm just never the person to like put out, like I was not going to put the black box on Instagram or anything like that. That's just not, I've never, I've never seen the point of anything like that. No, if you do it, that's fine. That's just not me. Mm. But I, so I think that was kind of what I was, I I always use it as a way to try to change either my friends or my family's minds on things that are happening. And I think like the first one was the Trayvon Martin one. That was the first time I really went after my grandparents specifically to be like, how can you not think racism is a problem when this is happening well take me take me through that like what was the um how did your mindset shift when Trayvon Martin was killed and what was that conversation like with your grandparents and then like how's that developed since then okay yeah so do you remember what what year was Trayvon Martin do you remember 13 and I think the case settled no no 12 the end of 2012 and then I think the case settled 14 okay that's okay that sounds right because I know, like, I remember when it was, I think the case settled, and it was when I was living in Eaton. Yep. And I had been really, that was the time I was really exposed to racism, mm-hmm. just, like, on a day-to-day basis. So it was something very fresh on my mind, and then this is happening. And I remember I went to go visit my grandparents for, like, the weekend or something like that. Yeah. 
and I was like, we talked about it for like probably five hours straight, like sitting in the living room talking wow. about all the different racism, all the different things, things they thought they have dealt with. Cause like my granddad, for instance, he was in the riots in Wilson in like the sixties. Mm-hmm. He was sitting, was sitting by his dad with a shotgun on top of his store, ready to shoot, you know, whoever tried to come in. So he's had like, like the riots and stuff hit very close to home for him because, you know, he sat there at the age of 12 with a shotgun waiting to shoot people that are going to come loot his dad's store. Yeah. So I, so he has a, he has a huge mental block because of that, mm. that he does not like the whole black lives matter movement and the fact there's riots. He just completely discredits the whole thing mm-hmm. just based off of, you know, the actions of 2% of the people. Yeah. So, which is something I think is probably common. It's common in this age group of my grandparents, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's something that you, I always attack and I'm always like, Hey guys, so you, you don't think racism exists. Here's a good example. What do you think? And they just kind of hit me with the same thought they've had for probably 40 years now of there's just, there's one race, the human race. There's just different cultures. And we just need to let the cultures mm. be what they want to be. Let the black culture be over here. White culture be over here. Mm-hmm. Latino culture be over here. And let's just not mix when we don't need to, because yeah. clearly it leads to problems. Mm. Yeah. That's, uh, that's interesting. I think, I mean, I've talked to so many people with that mindset. That's kind of like the default yeah. bad answer. Yep. Like I, I need a, <laughs> I wish I wrote down like all the bad answers that I've heard. Cause it, it would, it would align with everybody's like, we are just, we're just one human race. You know, yeah. Martin Luther King fought this. It's like, no, 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 no. He was, he was killed. Yes. By he had an eight, what was it? 80% disapproval rating. Mm-hmm. And some of them were probably Malcolm X fighters or Malcolm X people who like yeah. stood on the opposite side. So it was probably more like, 85 to 90 percent of white people uh did not like martin luther king when he got killed so and those people are like alive exactly (laughs) as those people now they swear they love him but oh man it's 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 insane it's insane how public opinion just kind of sways here and there based on oh well let's see what happens oh he got canceled okay i'm i'm for this now (laughs) wait a minute Who was the? What was the? Um, I think it was H and M with when they put the shirt up of the black kid. It was like coolest monkey in the jungle or something like that. That joke. (laughs) I said, yo, they're burning their clothes over that joke. Yo, side note: Black Twitter has. If I did not have Black Twitter during this time, since Trayvon Martin, I probably would not be able to handle this well because just the memes that they put out. (laughs) Like just purely remember the um oh my goodness Yahoo they put out they they tried it was a typo they said uh they want a bigger navy or something like that oh, but yeah, they yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do remember Yahoo. and then just the amount of memes that were just like <laughs> that came from that oh gosh anyway nah but I think um dude like we can we just talk about like how that mindset of like we are one race and um, I don't just like the, the, the individualistic mindset of like how to respond to racism, like plays into that. Cause I feel like people, a lot of people, especially like church people who grow up in segregated churches, mm-hmm. like they, they throw out these default answers and they don't actually understand like biblically why that's wrong. Right. Um, and I mean, I'm not a pastor, so I could defer to for Jonathan here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, what do you think? Like, why why do you think that is this bad? From a, uh... I think it's bad because it gives it gives people like a way to kind of like sidestep the issue, or mm. like it gives people a, like an easy way out type mm. of thing. Um, 
where, especially in with that like specific example, yeah, especially because I mean there are like passages in the Bible that are like you know there is no Jew or Greek, there is no slave or free, you know, like we're all one in Christ Jesus. People are like, oh well, you know, God says we're all one, so. Boom, racism solved. And it's like, well, okay. <laughs> well. I mean, again, because I think the worst part is that it's not like technically wrong. Mm-hmm. Like the statement itself is, well, I don't know. You know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Like it's not, it's not biblically inaccurate per se, but like the fact, like where they try to use it, yeah. that's where it becomes inaccurate where it's like, you can't just say that and then like move on. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like it didn't just, there was so... Uh, I'm gonna have, I'm gonna try to do this. I'm gonna bring up this man's um, this man's video. So one of my okay. one of my friends from um, actually the summit, lol. Hey. Uh, he he made a video that was a spoken word. Um, and oh, he was like on me. Yes, I did. Yes. <laughs> so he he made a spoken word and he said um, that it didn't just stop when Jesus died. Like the Christian life didn't just stop when Jesus died. It's mm. lived out. It's created vertically to be lived out side to side mm-hmm. so it's like when when jesus died yes it did he create a way for all of us to be one under god absolutely mm-hmm. however like that doesn't mean that that's the case in the world at large yeah. you know what i mean that doesn't mean that you can just put a jesus band-aid on the issue mm-hmm. like you've still got to do you've got to live out the way that jesus lived you know side to side you've got to love your neighbor you've got to put them above yourself and that's the kind of the thing that people are able to like side skirt with that answer yeah. it's like i don't have to do anything because like god took care of it it's like mm-hmm. well i mean again like no the issue is still here you know yeah. like there's there's still problems that are happening like every day yeah so i think one of the biggest i mean ultimately racism is is pride mixed with partiality um and i think that the illusion of partiality that the illusion that partiality creates is that you're able to pick and choose when you practice those sins. And what people don't realize is that if you don't fight against racism, which is a form of partiality, you're going to practice those sins that you practice against those other people in your own spheres as well. And so the person who's greedy towards black people is probably going to be greedy towards their kids as well. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's it's not like, it's not like you can sex it off. Like if you, if you have a problem with someone looking a certain way, then if you have a disabled child, you're probably not going to treat them like like Christ treats us. You know what I'm saying? And so one thing like I'm trying to help you understand a lot of times is like this isn't just a problem. Like you shouldn't just be fighting this just for the sake of, of course, you should love your neighbor as yourself. But also like this is damaging your own walk, like wherever you are, whether you're whether you live in segregated or not, like you're still practicing these sins. And I mean, one one speck of one speck of dirt ruins the whole glass of water. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not, I'm not going to drink something with one piece of dirt in it or a whole clump of dirt in it. So we, we got to be pure no matter what, you know what I'm saying? But, um, I mean, I think what, like, what would, what else would you say, Tim, to these reactions? Uh, these kind of like sidestep answers. I don't want to piggyback on what you said about racism being partiality and and greed and whatever. I think it's also a thing. It's also, it's all about pain. I think too, in a lot of ways, Mm. I think, looking at whoever either side of the coin there's always some sort of moment something there's a painful moment and i think we as like the church don't do a good job of addressing the that issue i think Mm -hmm. because i think we want to look at the symptoms that is racism that is greed and stuff we don't look at like 
you went through this painful moment, whether maybe it was in a church or maybe it was with, you know, a friend of yours, yep. family member, and that has created this sin in your life. And I just think we as a church, we don't minister to that. We don't help mm. people address their problems that are, that's keeping them from, you know, like you said, kind of being pure all the way and like helping their walk with Christ to grow because that's that moment of pain, that moment of suffering, whatever, that's what is hindering them from getting past that sin of racism, getting past that sin of greed. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something, I don't know, I don't know what the answer is, but that's something as like I think as a body of Christ, we have to do better ministering to everyone and like helping them get past those moments. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to turn your, turn your uh, Bluetooth on as well, Tim. I'm going to send something to you. But okay. um, <clears throat> I'm curious, like, have you, have you guys ever tried to help when it comes to racism and got burned like like you were trying to do your best in a situation to like speak in favor of uh black people or minorities and or you were trying to be in a certain area like like you said that at the black church and you were trying to create a, a sense of unity with your actions yeah. and then you experienced some uncomfortability or even fallback from those actions You go first. I have a lot. So you go first. <laughs> I don't think that I personally have ever experienced any fallback from white people mm-hmm. on those things. There have been many times when I have tried to speak out in favor of the black community and mm. other people in the black community are like telling me to sit down and shut up type thing. Yeah. Which like, you know what? That's cool. Like if that's the, like that's the space that you want to have, like that you want to create, then like I don't have a problem you know, mm-hmm. getting out of the way type thing. This was just something that I saw and I was trying to, uh-huh. you know, assist in, you know, yeah. whatever, whatever, X, Y, Z. you go ahead. You seem to have a lot to say. <laughs> the amount of times me or my direct family have been asked to leave a church, not come back to church, whatever, from trying to either A, be the white people going into like a predominantly black church and try to mix integration there, mm. or the vice versa of like inviting a black family or a friend of ours to come to church. And, you know, now they're, you know, they're the one or of five people or whatever that are black and then yeah. like being like, Hey, don't come back here. This is not what we want to do. This is not what this church is about. Yeah. I mean, I have like 15 give, stories I could tell. Give me, about give me one, one like that sticks out. Cause I know there's one that's just like kind of a little, a little fresh. <laughs> there's that one that's a little fresh. There's, there's a little pain in your voice. <laughs> exactly. We need to measure my pain right now. <laughs> Boy. So like, so my dad, right, he's a pastor out here in the boonies of North Carolina boonies. doing his thing. Country. Country church, you know, where 50% of the people are related to each other, and they're all white. Mm, it's intermarried. And yet he lives in towns, believe it or not, that are like literally half and half. I think in the town of Eaton he lives at is like 49% white, 48% black. Mm. So there's, real, there's literally no excuse to not have a church that reflects the community there and ha- be mixed in any way. Yeah. So this church he's going he's one of the first churches he's gone out there to be the senior pastor of. He has brought in an African American family to try to come help and be a part of the church and help be a reflection of the community. Mm-hmm. In under two months of that <laughs> incident, he has voted out of the church and is no longer pastor over there. And two there was there, yeah, and there was I mean they they voiced a lot of things, but that was really like the you brought people of color into this church <laughs> this is like this is my great granddaddy's <laughs> church we have been here at the well i don't know the last name of the family the smith family we have been here for 57 years we are the backbone of this church you this is not these, what we do you brought these <laughs> negroes <laughs> <laughs> and that's just like 
these are people that call themselves Christians. I mean, uh, that like, yeah, like, I mean, like, they, I mean, not, not the direct quote, but they said something very similar. But like, yeah. generations of a family that supposedly believes in God and walks and strives to be Christ like, and they can't handle, they can't, they could, I mean, they like literally could not handle it. That's wild, man. <laughs> Two months, bro. That's insane. Gosh. The family didn't even come back after the first week because they were so. Yeah. Ostracized, or yeah. whatever you want to say. So, I mean, I want to come back in. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, what are you gonna do, bro? Crazy to me. Gosh, bro. What's? I feel like I've seen a lot of instances where, um, like like you were talking about JC, where, um, where a, a white person will try to speak out, and they'll do their best to try to relate to both worlds and to to, to both affirm the black identity and affirm the pain and, and, and try to reconcile that and also try to bring in more people to understand on the white side and create essentially create more allies. Um, and they're, they're immediately shut down because it's not their place. Um, in which I don't, I don't find it helpful at all. Um, I think there is, I think, okay, here's the, um, what was the thing where Lecrae was talking? I forget who he was doing, what church he was at in Atlanta. Yes. The thing with Louis Giglio? Yeah, Louis, Louis Giglio. Giglio. Yep. That's passion, passion City. Uh, my my oh, issue with baby. that my issue with that was there was no sense of humility in the way that he talked. He talked from such an authoritative position when his church didn't have like the way that his church reflected the kingdom did not they didn't he there's no way he had the authority to speak into that situation. Because right. he it's not like he was doing right before then. So it's like you're supposed to be there and why he invited the old dude from Chick-fil-A, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I, really I love I love Chick-fil-A, but they're just not looking too good on this front. Sure. That That qualifies him, but hey bro, listen, this is a whole other topic, but you know pastors today, they just be selling their soul to be relevant, but that's going to be It's tough. It's tough. You know he writes the biggest check to that church. And that's exactly oh. why he was there. Oh, Let, let's not let's not beat on the issue. His ten percent is ten million percent of mine. Exactly. <laughs> nah, but uh, man, look, I just the only issue I have is when people. So like, when you immediately try to speak into a situation that you don't know what you're talking about, and like, as believers, we're all called to love. The first thing you should do is respond by loving your brother and sister in Christ and loving the Lord. If you skip that step and immediately go to education and speaking into it and trying to preach against it, then you're skipping the most important step because the, I mean, in the back in the old church, like Acts church, like you take care of, you take care of the church and the overflows outside. You know what I'm saying? Like you take care of the church and the vulnerable uh, orphan, widow, uh, disabled person, and then it overflows out. That's why they kept bringing in so many people, right? But what the church now does is they try to appeal to the majority and they try to um, keep their numbers up. And then they're like, okay, this will overflow to the places where um, where they need to overflow or whatever. And it's like, that's not how we're, we're called to do things. But nevertheless, I think that when you're trying to be an ally and speak into these situations, you have to come from a place of humility and you have to realize the places that you can speak into it. And so I think, I mean, I would definitely co-sign like talking to the family members first, but like after that, 
definitely like the, the sphere of influence. We can go back to that. Um, like know what your sphere of influence is and don't try to reach out of that to try to influence out of that before you know what you're talking about. Because you saying misinformation only does more harm. Yeah. Uh, and so you just, you got to make sure your ducks in a row, like clean, clean your room first. I know. I know I'd say that clean, you got to clean your room, clean your room, bro. I mean, like leaving the house with a dirty room. <laughs> Because <laughs> my mama said it so much. My room won't even that dirty. <laughs> I got two pieces of clothes. Clean your room. You can't go nowhere. What? what? Anyway. <laughs> what would um what would what else would you guys advise uh other people trying to speak in these situations? Um practical steps or even like ways to pray. <laughs> we're just gonna do like the not even rapid fire but just like a, a long list a sporadic list of things i mean my biggest thing that i always contemplate before i say anything to anybody is like will my words actually have an effect <laughs> and the, a lot of the time they will not because yes. Especially with the way that things are in America with like, especially in the direction of like politics mm -hmm. or whatever else that you, you know, would assign it to like people now, I feel like, well, I don't want to say more than ever. I'm only 24 years old, so I don't really know. But I feel like in my life, I have noticed a big resurgence now into like finding your identity in something about yourself, mm -hmm. like whether it be your political party whether mm -hmm. it be your race you mm -hmm. know like whatever it is whether it be where you grew up or like how you grew up or you know you grew up middle class you grew up poor whatever whatever it's like people like have such a strong loyalty to whatever this thing is however they're connected to it yeah and like they can't hear any kind of like dissenting information you know what i mean like yeah whether, true. It's, whether it's true or false or whatever like people just don't hear it and i think that's especially with um, the like pol politics and oh, stuff yeah. like that, but mm -hmm. I mean, I, it, it bleeds over into like your identity as like a white person or your identity as a black person, and so it's like one of those things where you can say, you know, like somebody will say whatever. Uh, over in in the '60s, like a majority of white people were racist, and mm -hmm. then like some white person's like, well, no, because I'm white, and so I'm not racist. And know? I existed in the '60s. Like a personal attack like on you you know what i mean like it's a personal attack on the organization that you affiliate yourself with or like you know it's a not a personal attack but it's like it is a fact of whatever it is that yeah. you're you know that you identify with and it's yeah. like that doesn't mean that you are irredeemable or that you're an idiot or that you you know what i mean it's just like one of those things where i feel like people are so attached to mm -hmm. like their identity as a whatever you know, as yeah. a blank. And so it's like, if you have anything negative at all to say, or not even negative, but just like offer a different opinion or like a different perspective of yeah. life or whatever else. If like people, if it doesn't align with what they think that that segment of their life is, mm -hmm. they're like, they're just not going to hear it. And yeah. it's one of those things where it's like, I don't know, which is why I keep going back to my like sphere of influence. Because it's like, I may work with you, but like, if you don't 
hear me when I'm trying to talk to you, like, mm-hmm. then I'm just wasting my breath. You know right. what I mean? Like, this is a thing that, like, I'm not able to influence you in this way yet. Yeah. You know? And so I, I think that's, like, the biggest thing that I do is I don't ever <laughs> say anything on, like, Facebook or Twitter or anything like that just mm-hmm. because that's, like, an, a losing battle. No. Like, and right off the Screaming start. into the void. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, you're just, you're not going to change anybody's mind, like, at best, the best thing that you're doing is ruining your reputation or hindering your ministry and that's just like neither one of those things are positive yeah so it's just it's just best to like know where you are know who you're speaking to mm-hmm. know what you're talking about like you're saying and it's like that you have to have to do like a mental checklist before you say anything you know even yeah. if you're right it doesn't matter if the person's not in a place where they're ready to receive the information and understand it you're just going to be wasting your time yeah that's facts man i think uh we can sum up the last I'd say six, seven years uh, by saying there's a bunch of blanket statements and rapid reactions. Yeah. <laughs> everybody says all white people are racist. And everybody says, no, that's not true because it is. <laughs> and no one ever slows down and after the blanket statement and says, why do you think that? Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. would you like to further explain your Twitter answer? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we can, we, you can, there's nuance in in-person conversation where you can speak in more than 140 characters. Right. right. <laughs> also, I believe personally that like there is a, not a happy medium, but there is like the truth is never in statement A or statement B. Mm-hmm. It's always like somewhere in the middle. Right. You know what I mean? Like there's never like one blanket statement that is a fact you know Mm -hmm. what i'm saying like there's always exceptions there's nuances there's whatever as you were saying and i think that's like my biggest frustration when i see people arguing online you know or something like that where i'm just like you know what like if you just both adjusted your view like this much you would both be right yeah but like the fact is you refuse to like budge at all Mm -hmm. like you're just there to fight people and it's just it's one of those things where it's like ah like nobody wants to take personal responsibility nobody wants to like think maybe this segment of what I believe is incorrect and could be changed. You know, like it's just people are so into where they are, like, yeah. and they're just they refuse to hear anything else. Mm-hmm. My man preaching right now. <laughs> it's frustrating, bro. So. I hate growing up with social media. I love Facebook, bro. It, <laughs> it brings everybody's just out now. Like before, before people only spoke their mind on Xbox Live. <laughs> <laughs> Now, now Xbox Live is Facebook, so now we can see. That Modern Warfare Two lobby was a day. Bro, yo, that's where we all learned about our racial identities. Whether you were black or white, you were just the N word. You say. It's so. My mom was traveling on different states. Like I don't even know about this. So funny, man. Nah, bro. Slight pet peeve alert, though, man. I just, I just saw so many like uh, after George Floyd, bro. I saw so many black squares and like people got more black squares on their Instagram than black friends. And that Ooh. junk, that junk, <laughs> that junk hits every nerve in my body. Cause I'm like, I'm but I, I just, I want to do a poll like in the, in the ministry of just like, Hey, all right guys, who are your, who are your closest minority friends? And then just have like a list of people that get crossed out because those are the default answers. It's just like, no, you can't say this person, can't say this person, that's a different person. All right, who's left? And people have like one and a half. <laughs> one and a half. And it's just like, look, man, you chances are like the thing is we grew up in Durham where black is everywhere. 
Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We grew up in Durham where Latino was somewhere, where Asian was somewhere. And everybody else doesn't have, or like most other people don't have the same pool of ethnic backgrounds as we had. Because I mean, like yeah. I had in my middle school, eighth grade class, I think we had probably three types of Middle Easterners and like five or six types of like uh Asian people, which is like immensely diverse. That's not even including the the different ethnic backgrounds, like the Latino people, like Salvadorians and Mexicans, everybody. You know what I'm saying? Like people don't have that, and so you have all these people coming from near Charlotte. <laughs> near, I say near Charlotte on purpose, and then they're just like, oh yeah, like I know about this stuff. Let me just go ahead and post this black square and keep it moving because it's easy. Yeah. And it's like, nah, bro, like. This is why we look at you sideways. Like, you think because you post a black square, you're invited to the cookout. It's like, no, 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 no. You don't even know what Lowry's is. (laughs) 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 It is, it is, it, it just, it truly baffles me. I'm confounded every time I see it. But it's just like the amount of virtue signaling that went on was disheartening. (laughs) I don't know, man. So. Nonetheless, though, nonetheless, you got anything, Tim, man? Anything else? Nah, man, I think we've, we've done a good job. I will say also just like kind of piggyback off of Jonathan, like active mm-hmm. listening and active education on all these issues <sighs> Ooh. is, I mean, is like, should be like step two in this is just like pray for God to open your eyes and bring influencers into your life mm-hmm. that can help you see, see the issues and see different perspectives so that you know that you're not just coming at this from a what you've assumed your entire life is like a white person or whatever that you know that that's not the only way to think. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that you need to like, people should actively pray for is for people of different perspectives and ideas to come into your life so they can speak into you and it'll change your sphere of influence because the people that influence you will change. Facts. And do your own research. Yeah, that too. That's also another one. Mm. Speak I on like that. see so many people that just like copy and paste or like things that they've heard, you know, like whatever, whatever. And they'll just like, throw out this stuff and then someone's like well what about this and then they're not able to you know say anything back right, right. intelligent to it they they read the first paragraph of one article and then they swear they're an expert and that's, yeah. that's all that. <laughs> and, you know, it kills me man i saw this is not related to race at all so that's why i'm going to use it i saw a well it is just well in long story i saw on twitter somebody put up disney plus um they put out like the mulan trailer oh no right which i don't want to get into that but in the comments of said mulan trailer somebody said if there's no mushu there's no me okay <laughs> <laughs> i thought it was hilarious i was like you know what bro i feel you on that and somebody commented that they were like that's mushu's offensive to chinese people like they don't believe in that. That's whatever X Y Z all this stuff. And then an actual Chinese person below them was like, "Nah, bro. Like, no, we good. We love Bushu." <laughs> and the person responded back and was like, "Oh my bad. I just heard the audit. They all found it offensive." And y'all, I, bro, this is a real. Thing. Yeah, they weren't even Chinese. That was the crazy part. I was like, bro, this is a real thing that happens all the time. People are just like, "How dare you say that about?" this culture that they're not a part of and then someone from that actual culture is like actually it's fine and they're like oh my bad i just heard that that was offensive and so i thought i would come out here on twitter that sounds, and fight someone on your behalf that it sounds me. that sounds so chapel hill yeah. <laughs> it kills me, bro. oh my gosh bro i'm tired i'm just so t- I, my thing is bro and also free Hong Kong. Sorry, I had to get that 
<laughs> oh gosh, wait! You gonna cancel like There's LeBron? LeBron. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I have some verses that just I feel like really speak into this situation, and um, I'm just gonna hit a couple. Um, Psalm four four: Be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own heart on your beds and be silent. First um, Thessalonians four eleven: Inspire to live quietly and mind your own affairs, and work to work with your hands as we instructed you. Uh, Proverbs 10, 8, the wise of heart will receive commandments, but a babbling fool will come to ruin. Uh, Proverbs 15, 1, a soft anger, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Oh man. James 1, 19, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak and slow to anger. Mm. I mean. Titus 3, 2. To speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. Mm, it's just so good. Oh, <laughs> Proverbs. <laughs> Proverbs 11, 12. Whoever belittles his neighbor lacks sense, but a man of understanding remains silent. The Lord is just speaking through his word right now. <laughs> you know what's crazy, though, is that in most churches in America, people have never read any of those verses. Really? <laughs> that's like the whole Bible, too. That's Old and New Testament. How did you do that? I know. I you saying we don't read our Bibles, or? Uh, huh, okay. <laughs> it's just, um, I don't know. There's something about the beauty of silence and listening. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, if you want to learn how to navigate this time on Facebook, in person, whatever, you can just read the book of Proverbs. Amen, bro. Like, it will, God. It will teach you the way, bro. Yes. Literally just shut your mouth and listen to Shut up. Listen, like, don't, don't fight people. Like, just listen to what they have to say. Because 10 out of 10 times, the person that's constantly running their mouth is going to make themselves look stupid all on their own. Facts. So, like, you don't, it's just. That's fact. The chances are they already did if right. you scroll up on their timeline. <laughs> just scroll. You find out someone's heart real quick. I mean, look, bro. Here, here's my point. Here's my point. The Lord has instructed us so many times to be quiet, and I think it's just something to consider. <laughs> At the very least, think about it before you before you just go out there and say something. Oh man! But any final thoughts? How to be an ally? No, man. I think I'm good. I mean, you chilling? I think we've we've covered we've covered a lot of stuff here. I think. What what was the what were the two commandments Jesus said, or the the one commandment? Love love God, love your neighbor. That's it. He said everything gets summed up in that. It's true. Everything gets summed up. That's the whole book. Nah. You skip the first one. That's how they skip the second one. Oh, that's tough. That's, that's another. <laughs> that's tough. That's another podcast. You might have to cut this off soon. We <laughs> <laughs> spent too much truth. I don't know. Be silent. Be silent. <laughs> I don't know, but I appreciate y'all coming out here um, talking about this. Uh, very uncomfortable to some people. It's comfortable yeah, yeah, for yeah. me. We, we be chilling, but. Right. Um, I think it's time we, we, we cut this off and let JC go back to his uh, black wife. <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm controlled. <laughs>